Welcome back to the Reclaiming Her podcast. I am your host, Brooke Belden. I'm a mom, a mystic, a human design manifester, and a mentor. And this podcast has the intention of sharing all of the stories and the feelings that come with reclaiming the divine feminine around and the true spirit of you from within. I am so excited to have you along for the journey today, and let's get started. On today's episode, we have Emily Tennyson as a guest. Emily is a sacral generator, and uh, today we have a really delicious conversation about her human design profile. This isn't her first time and experience with human design. She was introduced to it about two years ago, and so has a lot of knowledge about her own design. And what's great is to be able to hear her stories and her experiment and experiences using her design, playing with her design, and how it's evolved for her over time. Emily is a holistic health enthusiast and the creator and host of the Healing Corner with Emily Tennyson podcast. Here, she explores alternative health topics, including nutrition, detox, spirituality, and body intelligence with healers, practitioners, and industry experts. Additionally, she highlights clean ingredient, women-owned and or BIPOC-owned brands, many of which also give back to social and environmental impact organizations in an effort to promote conscious consumerism. I know you're going to love this conversation with Emily as much as I enjoyed uh, meeting her and getting to know her. And so without further ado, let's get started. Hi, Emily. Welcome. Hi, Brooke. It's so great to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, you're so welcome. I'm excited to just dive into your chart a little bit deeper with you and uh, just have this conversation. As we've already explored a little bit, you know a lot about human design, which is fun. And yes. so um, this might be you know, a little bit more different than just a read, but um, more, more conversational. So, um, so let's jump right in. Yeah. Sounds great. Yes. Let's okay. do it. Okay, great. So, um, so first and foremost, uh, you know, we're going to go over your energy type. And so you're a generator, as you Mm -hmm. know, and one of the biggest things about generators is that I love about generators is that you are the life force of the world. You are the, the type of person that keeps things going, that breathes life and fire into projects and, and people and, uh, and really just bring that energy. When, when we say generator, it's like a car, right? It's like a motor. And so you're able to bring that energy to every situation that you're in. Yes. So that yeah. seems accurate. Yes. <laughs> I would agree. Um, where, where do you feel like, where do you resonate with that the most? You know, I notice when I'm really lit up or excited about something, it is quite magnetic. I can get people excited about stuff pretty easily. If I'm already like, you know, at a 10, um, for what I'm talking about. And that's super fun. I also notice it on the flip side when I am not feeling energized or if I'm feeling really drained, you know, either by a situation or a person, um, I feel myself backing away and I know that other people can feel that too. Like just sort of retracting my energy and, um, withdrawing. So that's, that's how I resonate with that. Yeah. I love that too. And, and that you say that because so much of being a generator and like really being in alignment with your design is feeling good, right? It's like feeling good and feeling lit up. And, uh, and I think that, you know, so often too, when we look at like generators, we're in a, when we like, just go with that description, like we're in a society where hustle and life force and energy and all of that is highly valued. And so I think sometimes what can happen too with generators is that then they're, they're kind of stuck in this or they can, right. They can get, I, I, I would imagine it can be a space where you can easily get stuck in not feeling good, right. Because you're in a project where you're like, oh, but I'm supposed to bring life force to it. And so really understanding that it's like, do the things that light you up. Yes. Yes. Do the things that light you up. And then you probably feel like you have no energy. (laughs) Right. (laughs) When when it doesn't light you up. Right. Cause it's really just for the things that light you up. Exactly. Exactly. And I I would say like to build on that one thing that was very eye-opening for me that I learned was that if I'm feeling 
satisfied, that's like a thumbs up. Like I'm feeling lit up and excited. And if I'm feeling frustrated, that's kind of like the generator's cue that maybe things are not in alignment. And I, I found that to be quite eye-opening because, um, you know, in the past I've done a lot of things that are frustrating just because I thought I should quote unquote do them. And that's not really what I'm supposed to be doing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, totally. Totally. And I tend to call those your two, like in each design type, you have these two emotions, right? And we all experience all of the emotions, but each design has Mm. their their own two key signature emotions that kind of help you understand like when you're in alignment, right? So when you're in alignment, Mm. you feel satisfied. And when you are not in alignment, you feel frustrated. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I, you're reminding me of, um, someone that I follow on social media called Karen Curry Parker. I don't know if you're familiar with her. Mm-mm. Um, she talked, talks a lot about generators and frustration and I love it because I'm trying to learn about my type. And she talks about how frustration isn't necessarily a key to turn completely away from things, which mm-hmm. was really eye opening for me. She said, Um, if you are in a situation and it's frustrating, it's like such an opportunity to learn. And I think I like this because I have a few situations right now, which are frustrating in my life. And instead of like cutting and running, I'm learning about myself and what I can do to get into alignment. And so it has been a really useful tool, um, which isn't really obvious in the beginning because who wants to be frustrated? Nobody. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Would you share more about how you're, how you're using that to learn how you're um, sitting with those emotions and learning from them? Yeah. You know, for instance, right now I am currently job searching for a contract position and I'm feeling, um, actually I'll back up. Um, this is a better example. So my husband and I lived, um, in the Pacific Northwest for four years before moving back to the Midwest for an opportunity, a full-time opportunity for me. And almost immediately when we moved back, we, I felt like, Oh, this feels off. You know, I'm feeling already kind of frustrated with the way that life is, is different here. Um, and no knocking the Midwest. I grew up I was born and raised here and there's so many good things, but, um, for my own path and for my husband's path, we're having a lot of questions. And so it's been three years now and there are many uh, things which are frustrating. For instance, um, you know, we really loved, we both are generators and we both felt really lit up by being near the ocean and the mountains. And we were constantly out and about doing things with our son. And it's just different in the Midwest. There's just not as many outdoors, outdoorsy type things to do. So sitting with that frustration on the weekends when we can't necessarily just drive an hour and be in the mountains, um, has been a big, learning experience, just like, okay, what can we do? And also what steps can we start taking to think about what a move back would look like, or what would travel look like, you know, a more frequent travel to visit. Um, you know, we bought a camper for instance, that was like Mm. one of our things, like let's get a pop-up camper right before COVID. And that's been great. Like we have we live on a third of an acre. And so we can even like pop it up in our driveway and we have a big backyard and you know, our four-year-old thinks we're camping basically, you know, we have a fire back there. So, yeah. So I think it's, you know, to answer your question, it's, it's really prompted us to see like, do we need to cut and run from the Midwest or is there an opportunity to like layer some things on and just try some things on to see like, could we be happy camping every weekend? Are we happy, um, you know, visiting some state parks that have lakes or like Lake Michigan, which is a big lake here. So that's, that's kind of how I'm um, interpreting the frustration is like, how far can I push it before I need to actually say like, okay, we need a big change. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's the big thing too, is that it is, it's that, it's that uh, just indicator that something's off, right. You are out of alignment. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, yeah. Does it have to be that you have to go back to where you were? Do you have to go back to the you know Pacific Northwest in order to be in alignment maybe yes, maybe no. Right. We don't Mm -hmm. know. And so it's allowing Mm -hmm. yourself to use them as Mm -hmm. teachers, right? Like I am feeling frustrated Mm -hmm. and this is, Mm -hmm. and now I've been able to kind of like follow that trail back to where the frustration has begun. 
And then to be able right, to say right. like, okay, so what are some other possible scenarios? And I think that's really huge too. You know, when you're looking at big life decisions, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I noticed too, like in the past, I've done things out of frustration and it's almost like the frustration has to reach a boiling point for me to know like, oh, it's, it's time. Like I've literally tried everything else, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and that has been such key learning as a generator for me, because no one can talk me out of that boiling point. Like I'm there, I'm feeling it. There's no amount of external forces that will make that go away until I make that change. And so I'll use an example. Um, in college, I, um, I earned my BFA in oil painting and I had the opportunity to study abroad, um, which was amazing. So exciting. So I really wanted to go to Italy and everyone talked me out of it. Like my, you know, my parents, um, my advisors, like everyone was like, no, no, no. London has the best program. It's like, okay, great. Like, wow. I get to choose between Italy and, and London. Like that's such a gift. And so I, I said, okay, um, I'll do the London program. Cause I was just excited to be in Europe. So I got to London and I've mentioned this before on my own podcast. And I, besides the friends I made there, I did not love London. It was not, um, for me as a place to live. The food was off for me, except for like amazing Indian food that I would eat down the street. Um, the weather, you know, it's just in the fall, it's, um, quite moody and rainy and cold. I run cold anyways, as a person, I like a warmer climate. And, um, and also the, the program was just not what I wanted to be doing. I had this inclination that fine art was my calling at the time. And I was doing an illustration program and it was quite conceptual and, um, I didn't enjoy it. And so I tried this, I did, I did it for six months. Um, I, I certainly gained so much perspective and learning and just, um, experience that really serves me today. And I'm so grateful for it. However, when I got back, the second I got back, I said, I'm not doing illustration. I'm not doing this conceptual BS. I'm, I'm painting. And so I just did it. And my, everyone was like, what are you doing? Like, even though I was in a painting program, I was the only painter. It was quite conceptual. Everyone else was doing like video work and I'm here painting like a Caravaggio, like, you know, very, um, high contrast, traditional painting. And it was so satisfying because I knew this other way was not serving me and I experienced, I lived it. I tried it out. And so that is why, um, I bring that up because I endured that frustration and then was able to move on. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Okay. So now I gotta, I gotta <laughs> jump. I gotta jump over. Cause before we push play, you guys, she, uh, we were talking about some of her open centers and, and usually, you know, we go through the chart and then we dive into some of the open centers, but Emily, I want to jump into an open center right now, because one yes. center that you had the biggest question about the one that you said was, was your spleen, your splenic mm-hmm. center. And so understanding the splenic center. So, so you have an open spleen, which is your intuitive center. And so while that is that space of safety, you were talking about safety and security, Mm -hmm. but what it also is, is it's the safety and security bodily in the moment, right? So it's our intuitive, Mm. it's that like, it's that, that quick, fast knowing, Okay. Mm -hmm. So that your center is open. It doesn't speak to you as quickly or as fastly innately. Right. And so interesting as you're talking about these decisions is that it sounds like what has happened in the past. And then where you're like, this is a space that you're still working on with, Mm -hmm. with navigating your sacrum center and and navigating some of these other things. Mm -hmm. I think this is really exciting because where your center is open in the spleen, possibly what is happening from, from listening to this story is that we're allowing other people. And it, of course, if we pulled their charts, we would understand if they're defined or, or not, but if they have <laughs> totally, <laughs> or if they're just all up yeah. in your business, because they're all up in your business and people like to, you know, live in their brains and give you feedback from that space. But, uh, but with that open center, it sounds like during that time that's lapsing, right. Allowing other people to give you feedback has, gotten you away then from your authority or sacral center. So, so Mm -hmm. that's, that, Mm -hmm. that's what that center is doing, right. Is that it's, it's that in the moment. And so it, since it's not giving that in the moment feedback, sounds like sometimes there is this like drag, right. Drag between you being able to make the decisions. And so 
what we'll do is then right your authority is your sacral center and your sacral center does mm-hmm. have a bit of of uh fast knowing as well not quite as fast as the spleen but it's not like the emotion center where you have to ride the wave or anything so with your sacral center with you know if we were to go back however many years back to college days and back to this decision, one of the biggest things with using your gut, using your sacral center as your authority is to, have you done the audible responses to play with it? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, I've experimented a little bit with that. I haven't had success. I've more um, asked people around me to say like, yes or no questions. And I can immediately sense you know, within my body, what is feeling good or not, you know, I know the answer. Um, but I am familiar with like, if you have a sacral authority that, um, it's like a guttural sound. Yeah. I have not yet really done that for myself. So, and I've tried a a few times with with people. So, um, hopefully it's coming at some point, but yeah. Okay. And it might be something to keep playing with, but if the yes or no questions are something too, that work for you, then there's no reason mm-hmm. to, to, to get away from that. But even right now, mm-hmm. right. <laughs> right. So it's yeah, there, like, uh-huh. right. Mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm. It's there. And, um, and that's what I would practice. Right. So, so with that authority, your authority is really your, and how I describe authority is that intuition is our word that we're using these days. Right. It's, it's getting tapped into your intuition, which is basically saying your inner knowing. Right. So we can say mm-hmm. intuition, we can say inner knowing and in human design, intuition is connected to the spleen. So it's just a little bit of a language differentiation, but your in- intuition, as far as your inner knowing the space within you, that, that is your, your soul's message, right? It's like, I always say, it's kind of like the leader of the ship. It's like the leader inside of your ship mm-hmm. that's saying like, this is what that. we want, right? This is what we mm-hmm. want as, is navigating your soul. And so, um, and so yours is yours is your sacral center. And so it, it again, it, different ways to, to, to play with that. So yes or no, but that, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and just tapping into it with like little easy stuff. Like if I were to ask you right now, like, do you want to move back to the Pacific Northwest? Like you might give me a mm-hmm right away, but maybe you're not quite ready for that. Oh, <laughs> you're even mm-hmm. like nodding. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, no, no, you're right. Um, yeah. When there is that like sort of hesitation, that is a sign that like, uh, maybe I'm not quite ready to answer that question. And which is kind of how I feel. Cause there are a few things that would need to fall into place for that to happen. So, yeah. um, but yeah, it's so wonderful to just be aware of that. And I love what you said about how it's like the leader of it's navigating your ship. It's like the leader of the ship. What a beautiful way to say that. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you know, all of your centers are, are, um, talking to you, but it is the one that, especially, you know, like yeah. Anyways. Um, yeah. but, but the knowing too, where you're having some of this time-lapse, I think that's the biggest thing that I wanted to kind of emphasize is that where there's this time-lapse is that it's okay, of course, to collect data or to not be ready to answer the question, but to notice that, that that is connected to your open splenic center. Mm-hmm. That is mm-hmm. your spleen that's open. That's saying, I'm not quite ready yet. Right. Mm-hmm. Because I don't know if this is the going to provide us with the safety, the security of this, especially with some of these big decisions, right? Mm -hmm. So back then in college, when you're going to this art program, your spleen was like, I'm not quite sure yet. And right before we're introduced to human design, we're just open to conditioning. We're just open to other people's opinions and knowings and whatever. And then here we are, you know, late 30 year olds that are doing all the healing and all the deconditioning from the, exactly. <laughs> from the yeah. situation, but, <laughs> but, um, but that was just your, your spleen saying like, I'm not quite sure yet. And even, even the situation that we're talking about with, um, with the idea of, okay, we want to be camping and we're exploring all these different things. And so we're going to, you know, we're going to buy a camper and we're going to do some of these other things. It's your spleen saying like, I'm not quite ready to make that decision. Yet. And I don't know if that's going to be the safest thing. I don't know if we need to actually uproot our lives again right Right. or if it's going to be a grass is greener or we're going to be chasing Mm -hmm. something else and so you know allowing that like knowing how to work Mm -hmm. with that center right right it's kind of talking to your sacrum absolutely yeah it's it is that like in between space of not having a clear answer from my sacral center you know there are times when I do have like a full body like excitement like yes which tells me like okay like let's move forward in this direction or there have been times where I'm like, oh, absolutely not. And that's easy for me to make a decision. Um, but it is learning to navigate that in between of like, it's not the right time. I'm not quite ready. I need more information where I'm, I'm then sitting in a level of 
frustration or like a hunch that maybe this isn't right, but I'm, mm-hmm. I'm just gathering that info in order to say yes or no. Yeah. And what also just a, a beautiful illustration, you know, that we've really gone to is that one of the biggest things with uh, being a generator is that your strategy is to wait to respond. Right. So it is mm-hmm. this, this idea of waiting. So, um, and so what it just, right. I mean, a beautiful illustration that I think that we've gone through with all of that in order to use your design to its best ability to be most aligned with it and your energy mm-hmm. is that you, mm-hmm. rather than trying to make things happen or to force things to happen, it's to wait to respond. Right. Right. Exactly. Yes. And yeah. And what's interesting about the, um, the college example is that I think as women were so conditioned to feel grateful for like any kind of opportunity, right. Mm -hmm. That comes our way. And so my 20 year old self, um, actually I think I was, yeah, I was 20 when I studied abroad was just being reminded, like, gosh, to even have this opportunity is amazing. So you need to be grateful for what you're getting. And I wasn't directly paying for that opportunity. I did work to win a scholarship for it, but ultimately like the bill was falling on my parents. And so, you know, I, I felt like asking for more was not, you know, to say like, no, 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 I want to do the Italian program was just like, not in the, the cards for me. Like I was kind of like financially bound to having them also input into my decision. Mm-hmm. So I, I felt like agreeing with that would have been better than like not going at all, you know? So it was a, it was a bit of a clouded decision in that way because I, I didn't have the financial autonomy to say like, no, like I'm doing this program, you know? So I find that an interesting observation looking back. For sure. For sure. You know? And like, I just wonder too, like, as we start to, yeah, I think one of the most fascinating things about our time is that we are entering into a state of elevated consciousness, right? As a collective, we're, we're just coming into this place in the state of, of that in general. And so, you know, you and I can look back to the time of our twenties and how different probably we were at the time and how, right. Like almost probably very agreeable and doing the good girl thing and showing up the way that you like all, all of the different ways. And I wonder, you know, as women in their twenties today are yeah. growing up in this elevated state of consciousness, like if they are more connected and more verbal to that, like, no, no, right. Like, <laughs> no, no, no. I didn't say I just wanted to be gifted a trip. Yes. It was like, no, no, no. I want, I'm going for it this particular, this is my gift of genius. Mm. This is where it's happening. This is where I need to be. Exactly. I want, you know, I do, I wonder the same thing. And I do hope that 20 somethings just know themselves deeper and better in a way that we did not, or, you know, I'm speaking for me, like, I just didn't know. I was like, oh, I guess this is like what you do. And this is what I should do. And mm -hmm, absolutely. It's yeah. like, oh, I knew I was supposed to go to college and oh, wow, you know, to be able to go study abroad, like lucky me, right? Oh, yeah, I, know. I know. It's like, what? Yeah, <laughs> it's an, an amazing um, opportunity and like what a problem to have to be able to like choose right. between programs. <laughs> so, um, you know, I do recognize I speak from a place of privilege on this subject, but it's still, you know, something that I recognize as a time when I um, was frustrated. And, but I will say, as I said, like when I came back, I knew exactly what I wanted. So it really did help bring things into alignment. I just needed that lesson of Mm -hmm. trying things out a different way and agreeing to something that maybe wasn't what I wanted at the time, um, to really bring into focus what I did want. Yeah. Oh yeah. And you know, and in life, like it's all about polarity, right? It's all about being able to feel both of those things. It's about being satisfied and being frustrated. So learning your human design and learning that, you know, frustration is showing that you that you're out of alignment, it doesn't mean, okay, work to never be frustrated. Like don't get yourself into any situation that's going to be frustrating. Like exactly. that's not what human design is about at all. <laughs> right. Cause right. we're, we're right. here to experience the polarities. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. And I will say too, um, another woman that I follow that you might be familiar with, um, Jenna Zoe on Instagram, mm-hmm. she's a human design person. And she talks about how you know, triggers like frustration or like, I think projectors is like bitterness. Mm -hmm. Um, what is it for manifestors? Anger. What's your anger? Interesting. Mm -hmm. It's like, she talks a lot about how triggers are teachers. And so 
what a gift to have this messenger come to you as this emotion saying, waving its hand saying like, Hey, there's something that's not aligned. And Mm -hmm. it's just a path to greater awareness. And I, when I learned that, I was like, man, that's amazing. You know, what a, what a nice reframe on that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, absolutely. Okay. Let's keep going. So let's see. So a couple of other fun things. And uh, again, you know, we'll dive in as deeper as you want to, but, um, let's see, we got digestion, strongest sense environment. So your digestion is open taste. Is that something that you've played with much at all? You know what it is, and it's totally accurate for me. Is um, it? Do you does your audience? It, it is, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so we'll go into explain yeah. It. I can kind of yeah. yeah. So, so my daughter's yeah. open taste as well, and so it's it's a lot of uh, about being very selective, and within her, the things that I notice is that she could eat literally the same thing for breakfast for probably six months, and she and it, it as a mom we were talking to you about like what it's like to raise kids and understand your your kids design so as a mom it's initially before understanding your her design i would get super frustrated about oh she's such a picky eater she's eating too many you know like uh, for her it's like frozen like right now she's on a frozen waffle kick right like she loves chocolate chip frozen waffles i buy the healthiest chocolate chip frozen waffles i can possibly find with like when we talk nutrition with you know make sure it's real maple syrup and all this but it's still like girl you should have like chocolate chip waffles like on the weekends but she will get so mad if we're out of chocolate chip waffles. And so, um, so anyways, it's, it's funny because I used to get really frustrated with like how picky she was or that she wasn't getting enough of the diverse ingredients that she needed or da, 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 da. And, and so it's nice to be able to like, just eliminate all the fights and be like, Oh, totally. And just like we'll go chocolate chip involved. waffles until you're sick of chocolate chip waffles. <laughs> yes. Yes. What's it absolutely. Been like for you? Um, so for me, it seems like every season I eat the same things once they're kind of in season. And it's like, I have my mainstays, you know, um, in the spring now that like strawberries are in season, at least in the Northern hemisphere here, um, I'm eating a lot of strawberries and like, we're, we do a lot of, um, roasted vegetables in our house. Um, now that it's summer too, we are doing kebabs. I could eat kebabs, beef kebabs with like peppers and onions, like literally every day, um, or chicken kebabs, um, with white rice. And, um, that's, I mean, literally we're, (laughs) we have that every week. I could also do, we're doing, um, like taco night, you know, tacos and stuff. Um, that's not seasonal necessarily, but it's something that I could eat all the time. I love, we love sushi. My husband is open taste as well. And so I find that we overlap in some areas like on sushi or like, um, on, you know, breakfast items or like in the winter, we both love roasted root vegetables. So we're like eating that for six months, you know? So it is, um, also apparent in restaurant visits when I go to a restaurant, And, um, if I've been there before, I know exactly what I want. If I have not, I'm the person that's like yelping the restaurant before we go and looking at the menu. So I understand what appeals to me. And then I will choose that thing. Like, I'm not really open for like people's suggestions on what to eat. So that's how it, that's how it manifests in my life. What digestion, what digestion are you? So I'm alternating appetite. And so (laughs) tell me about that. I'm not familiar with alternating appetite. Oh, it's miserable. <laughs> um, so it's, it's, um, so when you look at the number spectrum, it's a two and, uh, it, it, so it's one of the oldest digestive systems. It's almost like mono eating oh, is what you're supposed to got do. It. Stuff. And so, um, that's very hard for me because I have been kind of a foodie. Um, like I love good food. I will be somebody who uh, I'm like, Ooh, and I'll tend to like, like my things, but I'll be like, is this one or this one better? You know, like, cause I just it, love yes. good food. Um, mm-hmm. but I've had a number of health issues since I've had my children. Okay. And so I follow medical medium protocol pretty closely. And so Epstein bar is definitely what I've narrowed it down to having. And, um, wow. so being able to eliminate a lot of the foods, but it's been a process, I mean, for seven years. So I, wow. yeah, a, a really long process. And so it's interesting, even when following like medical medium protocol, I find his like, um, a few really popular smoothies. And one of the smoothies is called the heavy metal detox smoothie. And in that is a lot of ingredients. And I find that when I have that, I can only have it maybe like once or twice a week because it's incredibly heavy for me. Like, even though it's just like, 
I mean, it's bananas and blueberries and, but it's got, you know, spirulina and barley grass and cilantro or like, it's just a lot of, like, it's just a lot of little things. And it, it, it can take me two hours to drink one because it's just a lot. And then I feel like it just takes me a long time to digest it. Whereas there's one called the liver detox smoothie that has bananas, blueberries, wild blueberries, and, um, and dragon fruit. So only three ingredients. And that thing is so, and it's the same size, right? Like it's the same size, same like amount of food that comes out of the blender, same amount of sipping that I have to do, but that one just seems to process through my body so much easier. I feel way lighter when I drink it. Um, I just, I just love it. So, and I am also um, very much, I, I prefer dinners and foods that are just like that fresh, simple. So if it's like super fresh, mm-hmm. super simple, like when I cook, oftentimes it's like a meat, a potato, a vegetable, right? And it's just that like simplicity yes. of it. Um, if it's, I used to love like uh, like uh, chilies and stews and things like that for the convenience. But then when I really started to pay attention to what my body felt like, I could notice too that it's like, no, no, no. I, I love it when it's just like, like my body responds better. Like my, you know, yeah. when it, when it's just those really, really simple, minimal ingredients. So it's a work yeah. in progress for me for sure. And it's something yeah. that, you know, I have to go back to. And I, I played with pretty hard for a while. And then I just got mad. <laughs> like, this is ruining my life. <laughs> right. Right. May I ask, you mentioned that like, you feel better when you're, um, you know, eating less things at one time. Do you notice that like, you feel better when you actually follow it? Or is it like more of just like a pain for you, like stressful to try to figure out like what you're going to have? Well, like, do you I, notice a, a beneficial difference? Yeah. So I think one of the biggest things is that I have just had to give myself grace and go slow, right? Like that. It's like, I don't need yeah. to make this gr- drastic change overnight. And like my life tomorrow is, you know, I'm going to eat bananas all day. Like that will feel really right. not fun for me. Instead, it's um, it, it has been gravitating to some of those things. Like, okay, well, what what does feel good to me about this? And what does feel good to me about this is that I have always um, wanted like really f- fresh, clean, simple ingredients. Right? When I pick supplements, yeah. I want them to be the freshest and the cleanest. And it's not. And then I realized that it's like that's not just me hopping on a trend bandwagon. Like that's literally my body, like speaking that it's like, I want it to be the freshest, the cleanest, the the whatever. And just because it's like, I want it to be simple. And so that's what I gravitated to for a while. There was like, gave myself full permission. I'm like, no, like, it's okay. Like go with the super fresh stuff and, or whatever, you know, whatever it was that the really um, high, high quality. Right. So that's yes, what I played with right. for a while. And then it was starting to kind of go into like, okay, well, oh, I do notice. I am noticing that like when this has a whole bunch of ingredients that I do feel sluggish, I do feel tired. I do feel like it's taken my body a long time to process. And so interesting. So, so it's really just, you know, with human design for me, it's like you have this big chart, this really big chart. And no, at certain points, there's going to be spots that speak to you, right? Like how you were like, you know, I'm really curious about my spleen. There's something about it that's speaking to me right now. And then you get to spend some time on that. So it's like, for me, I spent a little bit of time on my digestion, but it's like, you know what? I don't quite have the full, um, wherewithal to do it. And I think part of it is that like, I wanted to get back to healing. And so Mm -hmm. using this medical medium protocol to heal first, and once I'm healed, we'll see how much more than I dive into it. Right. But like, I wanted to make, Mm -hmm. cause your body speaks to you differently when it's ill, right. Versus when it's healed, when it's right. When there's trauma (laughs) or when it's healed. So there's, there's different spaces there too. So yeah. 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 I wonder, I'm so interested in like the alternative it's alternating appetite. Is that what it is? Yep that you have mm-hmm. alternating. Yeah. Just like, you know, yeah. Like that medium smoothie. It's like, I wonder if he like could break it down for people that like need to eat something, you know, not well, all together. Like, well, he's, you know, he's really just... fascinating too. In that he, I mean, the nice part about medical medium is that it's not an all or nothing approach. Like he doesn't say like, you have to have this oh, all together. Nice. Like he'll say like, if you want to break it down into different ways, but it's just an easy way to get all of these really, you know, healing ingredients into your body at one time. So, and I would rather honestly do it than like have to, you know, like, Mm -hmm. I don't know, have a spoonful of spirulina by itself or, you know, (laughs) right. it's it's like, who wants to do that? I know. know So, um, yeah. 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 
Interesting. Yeah. I notice um, my, my son has um, quiet, the quiet, the uh-huh. low sound. Uh-huh. Thing. Uh-huh. And so since I like even learned about appetites, this has been the most eye-opening thing where I'm like, oh, this actually works because he's super active, right? He's got these four motors. And when he comes in from playing, he will not have been hungry for two hours, but when he comes inside where it's quiet and like calm, he is starving. Like that's when his appetite really kicks in. I notice like he won't even have a snack really outside with his friends. Um, and then when we eat anything, when we eat a meal, we sit at the table and we don't talk about like, we don't engage him in in a lot of conversation because he just needs time to like integrate and like eat. It's fascinating. Yeah. So funny. My son is high sound. Oh wow. The opposite. Okay. (laughs) So we like to have music playing at breakfast time and you know, just some, we usually have like that. That's the big one is that we just have background music playing when it's like things going on and stuff. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Wow. It's so cool to watch it with your kids because it's like more apparent. It's more obvious. Yeah. Right. I know. I have a friend whose son is a nervous eater, right? And that's the activity one. So that means there has to be stimulation. And she's like, you know, and I just think of little boys who are nervous eaters and like, man, you know, again, like one of those things that were like, sit down, be quiet, behave, whatever. Now you're in trouble. And like, poor little boy can't sit and eat. Like, yeah, he he needs to be running around like on the go. Like literally like handing out snacks while he's, she would say, she's like, he literally (laughs) was eating a peanut butter and jelly while he was rollerblading the other day, which, you know, you're like, joking hazard, what are you doing? But no, his body's like, like, that's what he needs yeah, (laughs) to get the nutrients out. Oh my gosh. It's fascinating. I I love hearing these examples. Yeah. I love you. Yeah. I love human design and parenting too. It's so fun. Um, it's super fun. Yeah. So the, the, the next part of your chart is your, um, your strongest sense, which which is outer vision. And Mm -hmm. have you played with this much? Do you know much about what it is? And, you know, I know a little bit, but I'd love to hear your take on it. I know that it's, um, especially when it comes to eating, like something has to, uh, look appealing to me. Like my sacral response has to be like, Ooh, that looks good. I want to eat that in order for me to, you know, eat it basically. Like if something does not look good, I have a really hard time (laughs) getting something. It doesn't even have to be like a rotting, like vegetable or whatever, like something that most people would consider ugly or gross. Um, presentation is just like super important and, and not necessarily like fine dining, but like, okay, this looks appealing. I like how this looks. Absolutely. Is that accurate? Yeah. That's, you know, and it's across the board too. So it's one of those things where, um, it's funny that on the last episode, Erica, she also had outer vision. And the example that she gave was that when they were redoing their kitchen, when she was, they were, they were remodeling their kitchen and she had to, like, she had to bring in samples. She had to bring in like a ton of different samples and to be able to see what it would look like together to the point where her husband was kind of like frustrated, like frustrated, like, can't you just like, we're just going to pick this and that. And she was like, no, like she had to bring in lots of samples and pull it all together and then be able to see it. And then when she saw it, she was like, ah, yes. Right. Like, it's not like, it's not like I can picture it in my head. And so it's all of those things, you know, like if you're, if you're going to, um, explore a, um, a new place of work, uh, it would be really Mm -hmm. helpful for you to be able to go and see specifically what it looks like, where are you going to be? What what are all the elements? And so even in your, in your home design in your presentation of yourself, it's, it's not necessarily about what the world says looks good or what, like you were saying with food, right? It's not what the world says looks good, but it's like, it's going to have to look a certain way for you. The clothes that you wear, you want it to look a certain way. It's not out of vanity. It's just what then makes you feel good. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. No, that feels that it's super accurate. I'm like staring at my desk right now and it's a total disaster. And I find, (laughs) I just haven't taken the time to, you know, organize it. Um, and I find, sometimes when I try to work here, it's very distracting. And I just feel the energy kind of draining from me. Cause all I can think about is like, I just need this to look good. So I can be in my, you know, my best energy to yeah. do the things I need to do. And I find too, like with a messy house and, and it's, I know for a lot of people, like having a messy house is distracting, but for me, it feels very important that things are like orderly. <laughs> so yeah. I'm not sure my husband would agree. Cause it's always, you know, a struggle at the end of the day sometimes after our four-year-old's been running around, but, um, and I don't feel motivated to pick up, but, um, 
it makes a difference, you know, to have a clean space or something that looks good to me. Yep. Yep. Totally. And that's, you know, that's one of those things that it's like, you just don't have to apologize for, or, you know, like, totally. or correct yes. or, or dialed back or dialed down or anything. It's like that. No, that really is what will help you um, thrive and get a good, you know, then, then give you that clarity that you need. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, okay. And then the last part on your chart that we'll chat about today before we dive in just real briefly to your centers is, um, is environment. And so your environment is mountains. Mm -hmm. My husband's a mountains environment person too. And I always, I I love environments because they're so not literal, right? Like they, of course they can be sure, but they're so not literal. And in our world today, I think the only one that we actually understand that, um, where we get a really good sense of it without it being literal is caves, right? Like, cause we talk about all the time, like man caves, or we can imagine, you know, the little kid cozy corners and all those things that really give us that cave sense. But for some of the other ones, I think it can be a little bit confusing. So with the mountains, the, the it's all, it all about ways in which you get perspective. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, yep. Absolutely. My husband is a mountains person too, which is nice because we kind of align on that, you know, yeah. his, um, his office is like on our second floor, which is nice because he can look out on our backyard. We ended up selecting a home that's at the top of a hill, you know, un- unknowingly before we knew about mountains. And we like, we like that. We like yeah. that we're at the top. Um, we lived previously in an apartment that was on the ground floor and it was sort of miserable for us. Like we just, you know, for whatever reason, it just didn't feel right. Yeah. Um, and I notice that, yeah, our bedrooms are all upstairs. We, um, you know, for me, especially like hiking is really satisfying. I mean, that is like a literal mm-hmm. mountain or like, um, a hill, but just be having, being able to be away from where all of the activity is, is really satisfying, you know? So like skiing and hiking are, um, fun activities for me, you know, for, I read too recently that like mountains can also be something where you have less oxygen, which I thought was interesting. So, you know, like I'm, I don't smoke, but like mm-hmm. that, that would be an example or, mm-hmm. um, even just like being up high. So like hiking for me is mm-hmm. satisfying, but it's also like a place where maybe you have less oxygen, mm-hmm. um, which like you wouldn't equate with like an ideal environment to do anything, <laughs> but, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's like the only examples I can think of right now. And I think it's just one of those things to play with too. I've heard that too, that like smoke, right? Like, so smoking or campfires or things like that are, are, um, can be a thing. And, and I think, I think it's just, it's all of these different ways in which to play with it. You know, like, uh, one of the things that's been interesting for my husband is within his work. And so, uh, in his work, he's, he works in real estate and, um, one of the best ways for him to get perspective is when he, with work is to like get in his car and kind of drive around and see what's happening within the neighborhood. Now that could be interpreted mm. in a number of ways, right? That could be like a valleys person, but it, for him being in the Valley would mean that like he is in the thick of a project. And when he's in the thick of a project, man, he is so like, that's the fastest way to burn out for him or to like really be dissatisfied oh. with something. And so it's like, how can he get perspective? And so, you know, offering that to you is that it's like, you know, where are the different light? Cause, um, I think like when we do, when we talk environments, right. It's so easy to gravitate towards that, like that, that literal version. Right. So like, yeah. the, so even for me, like I'm a kitchens person. So it's like, oh, okay. Like, you know, not literally in the kitchen, but sometimes in the kitchen, but how, you know, like, how is it in that creative nurturing space? And so I think it's always yeah. like when you're looking at it, it's like, okay, so where for you, what gives you perspective. And it might be Mm -hmm. hiking because you're getting elevation, but it might be hiking because you're getting perspective and you're allowed to get away and you're allowed to see the bigger picture. You're allowed to, you know, just kind of, yeah, have that, yeah, that distance and that framework to, to allow you to, to see that, right. To see whatever it is that you're, you're working on. And so to look at like throughout your whole life, if you need to gain, if you need, um, to, if you're trying to work on a project, if you're trying to do like you, you have a podcast as well. And so it's like, if you're trying to do something new with your podcast, you're trying to grow your podcast, or you're trying to um, pivot with your podcast, or you're trying to expand Mm -hmm. your, your um, podcasting business, you know, it's like, okay, so how can you do that in a way where you're going to gain some perspective? What's going to be the best way for you to get podcasting perspective, right? Mm -hmm. Versus like being down in the mix with it or um, down in the valley, like where you're really feeling like, cause that's where you can feel where you get into a rut right? Mm-hmm. Is if you're like too buried in a project instead of like allowed to really see, okay, what's the bigger picture here? 
Yes. Yes, absolutely. I, I noticed this with even like my four-year-old who's a valleys person and he is so, so drawn to being in the mix of things. Like we live near a downtown area and all like during the pandemic, all he wanted to do was like take a bike ride down to like the downtown where people are like mingling and like shops and conversation and ideas are being exchanged. Like it's the classic, like he needs to be in that. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sort of like, yeah, it's fun, but I don't want to spend all my time here. Um, and so my daughter's a Valley's person too. And she's like, I mean, wants to be in the mix in the center right in the center of everybody's business. (laughs) Yes. It's exactly how my son is exactly how he is. And it's great to see. And it's just funny because it's just so different. And also, you know, um, do, I don't know if you get into profiles on your, on your Mm -hmm. podcast, but, um, you know, I'm a six two and right now I'm on the roof as Uh a six, you know, like that after, um, Mm -hmm. 30 years old or after your Saturn return, um, you go on the roof and you just like need to be away from things. Or like, I find myself just being like, I'm watching what's happening. Um, and so I feel like this tendency to be, or this, you know, my classification as like a mountains person, then also being on the roof, I'm like very just removed, you know, I'm integrating. And I notice that in myself where I'm like, oh yeah, I'm watching what's happening, but I don't need to be a part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so fun. So fun. Yeah. Um, well, you know, very, very powerful too, for just staying aligned, which clearly sounds like it's working. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, okay. The only spot that I want to hop over to before we hop off is, um, I just want to talk about two centers if it's okay. Usually we would kind of like, um, maybe dive into, to more, but I want to talk about two and the two I would love to talk about if you're good with it, because we've already talked a little bit about your sacral and a little bit about the spleen, but, um, I want to hear your perspective on your emotion center, because this is something that you've said that you really have a good grip on. And, um, Mm -hmm. I'd love to chat about it because it is a completely open emotion center, which means that she doesn't have any, um, defined gates or channels in her emotion center. And the emotion Mm -hmm. center is Mm -hmm. a very powerful center for a lot of people. A lot of people, it's their authority, um, but mm-hmm. in a, such a highly emotional world that we live in right now, I think that this is a really important conversation to have, uh, to hear your experience with that and how you have navigated it. So again, with the emotion center, emo- everybody on the planet is emotional, right? Some people think that it's like, oh, okay, def- like when you first see it defined and undefined, it's like, oh, I'm not emotional because sometimes it will be an undefined emotion center will be referred to as non-emotional, but that doesn't mm-hmm. mean you're not emotional, right? Doesn't mean that you right. don't experience emotions. It's just very, very different. So yes. when you're, when your emotion center is defined, what that means is that your emotions are generated from within. They come from within. Whereas when you have an open emotion center, it means that you react more to the emotions and the feelings of other people that you mm-hmm. experience your emotions as in response to what other people are, are doing. So it's, you know, if you, if your son is sad, likely that could be something that you take on very easily, right? You can feel very yes. sad right along with him. If he's happy or if your husband's happy or somebody's sharing good news, you are going to feel happy right along with them. And so, um, yes. but you know, when, when the emotion center is open, especially, um, and we're not, we're, we don't probably have, uh, and we didn't discuss this beforehand, like childhood and all okay. this other stuff, but it's like, yeah. you know, there, it could be a very vulnerable space for conditioning, right? A very yes. vulnerable, because so many people in our society have no idea how to handle their emotions or respond. And so yes. it could be a very, very vulnerable space, especially being completely open. So um, that's just a little, you know, understanding of the emotion center, but you really do have, you, that's one of the things that you said, you're like, I really feel like I have a good grip on my completely open emotion center. And so I'd love if you wouldn't mind just kind of sharing a little bit about um, your experience with that, the work you've done with it and hear a little bit more about it. Sure. Yeah. So I think for the majority of my life, I, I always felt people's emotions very deeply. I, you know, react to, um, you know, just like scary movies and the news and like things that are very emotionally charged or dramatic. Um, as I, I found like, as I got older, I was like more and more sort of affected by a lot of those things where someone else could just like turn off a, 
scary movie or a really dramatic, like violent movie and be fine with like the rest of their day. Whereas I would be like, Oh my gosh, like I feel so, you know, just like drained or low. So that's an example, but also just taking on other people's feelings as my own and making emotions, the center of decision-making. That was the majority of my life was like making decisions based on emotions, which is not at all surprising for me because being completely open, I'm such an empath, you know, it's like, I really feel other people's feelings. So, um, that was just like what I did. And I think that is responsible for a lot of the outsourcing of my own, um, power in a way, because I was defaulting to this emotional landscape that was not mine. Mm. And so now that I'm aware that I'm a sacral generator, um, we talked about how this was the biggest awakening moment for me. It's like, I do recognize when my body has a response, that's what I need to be listening to because that's actually my true intuitive knowing. Mm-hmm. Um, so now that I know that I'm, I'm working and getting better at being centered in that and noticing that when my, especially like my family, you know, when my husband or my son are super upset about something or, you know, my son will get really sad about something as a toddler or a young boy does, and then move into like a state of heightened excitement or happiness. (laughs) And it's like, I just have to remind myself, like this emotion isn't mine. I'm feeling it amplified in my system, like a Bluetooth speaker. And I feel overwhelmed, but like, if I can take a minute and practice like breathing and feeling grounded and just like, um, not taking it on then I'm much more able to like be uh, an emotional regulator for him and also just stay true to myself, you know, especially when he's not happy with the decision that I've made that's coming from um, my own inner knowing, like, you know, it's time for bed or it's time to transition or whatever it is. Um, I just, I feel so much more grounded in myself knowing that like my body response, my sacral response is what I need to listen to. And that's like starting to change a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm, love that. Yeah. You know, and I think that's one of the things that's so important about an open emotion center is having a steady practice of releasing, right. Of of releasing and of letting go. And Mm -hmm. so there's so many different ways. It sounds like you've really been able to, you know, like you have done a lot of work with it because, you know, getting to this space Mm -hmm. where you can do it a little bit more in the moment is, is wisdom, right. That's where the wisdom comes into play. And so it's, um, it, it, I think that, yeah, just that regular practice and whether with generators, especially because you have, you know, uh, that physical energy, it's like a lot of times that's where exercise can come into play or, yes. or going for walks or, um, and so many other practices like yes. journaling. And mm-hmm. I love ritual bathing, like really using baths and bathing as like a, as a ritual response. And so, um, it's also a good way to, to, to just physically, feel and visualize like it's sloughing off right like oh that's interesting this one's not mine this one's not mine like really kind of just letting it all run off of you oh I love that that's a great practice yeah fun fun suggestions for um the emotion center because yes we chatted a little bit that's really where my work is rooted right is is in the emotion center and I love too that you um that you just you said out loud that that you really are a true empath because what a it's that is the description of an empath even though we're using empath very widely right now, because I've called yeah. myself an empath, but I have, I'm an emotional authority with several gates and channels oh, within wow. my emotion okay. center. And so, so I feel very big and I have a very deep inner knowing, but mine's innate, right? Like mine's this innate inner knowing. And so it's like, because I feel so big and I am so connected emotionally, but it's not, it's not in the same way that you're an empath, right? Like it's so different how it's experienced. Totally. <laughs> but yeah, it's so true. Truer definition, right? Like you're yes. a much truer definition of what an empath. I'm just like, like being like. a sponge, like yeah. soaking in totally. everyone's stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When you said like clearing emotions that reminded me, like I have, um, I see a therapist weekly, you know, and that has been so helpful. And I've seen, I've, um, worked with her for years and, that helps so much because then I can just talk through things that have been either triggers or like hard, you know, and then just getting rid of them. Like they just, they're meant to move through us. Right. And so, especially for someone like me with an emotional open center, it's, it's so helpful to have kind of a sounding board and to, um, 
you know, move through things uh, on a regular basis. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. And then the last center that we'll just kind of chat about um, today is your heart center. And that was one that, you know, we, we chatted before we pushed record about um, kind of navigating some life space and, and what's happening in mm-hmm. life. And, and, um, and so the heart space with that being open is really the, the space of worthiness. That's like the home of your worthiness. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when you look at even doing um, some self self care, self love, inner healing work. I always say that this is kind of like the home of like the I am statements, right? Like that it's mm-hmm. like I am worthy, mm-hmm. I am enough, and um, and developing that um, that knowing, right? Mm-hmm. That knowing, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. because it won't just always be there, right? There won't always be this sound that says oh yeah, duh, I am enough. Right. Like it is something that you're like, that, that might not, that might not be there when you're facing a new project or you're facing, um, certain, uh, bouts of self-doubt. Yeah. I think that's been such a big, uh, revelation is, is knowing that open center because my, you know, sort of daily, weekly reminders to myself are just like, I really don't have anything to prove. I feel a lot of pressure to prove that I'm worthy or to prove that I'm qualified. Um, and that's, that's not real. Like, I think I'm picking, you know, I'm noticing, I'm picking that up from the external world or media or, you know, whatever. Um, you know, so I, I notice like, the lesson is just how can I remind myself and get back to like, I am inherently worthy no matter how I perform or how I show up. It's, um, and that's been very eye opening because it's not really what we're taught at all. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's, I mean, that is exactly what that center is really all about, right? Is that it's that I am yeah. enough in who I am. I don't need to do anything more or less right. to be that. I just am. Right. It's like, yeah, exactly. It's not about doing, it's just about being and being, um, secure in that, you know, trying to remind yourself, like I'm okay, no matter what happens, I'm worthy no matter what happens. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Was that helpful in the description and understanding the difference between the ego center of security and the splenic center of security? Do you feel a little more clarity on those or can I help? Yeah. Okay. Um, I think so. Like the spleen is more about, um, trust, right? Like trusting yourself and like instinctual Mm -hmm. knowing. Right. And then the heart center is more like worthiness, Mm -hmm. which is Mm -hmm. like nuanced. They seem like they're playing in the same space, but it's nuanced. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so if you look at it, so the spleen is kind of like the home of like fight or flight, right? Mm -hmm. That's where like, that's where it originated is in that like fight or flight mode. So it is that it, you know, back in the, in the cave people era or whatever, when the fight or flight response is supposedly is you know kicked in is that it was that like who like go or stay right so and that physical security of that go or stay what you know what do I do and so while that has carried over into many spaces in our life it is that like what is speaking to me right here right now here in the moment right yeah and while it doesn't necessarily have to keep us safe physically as hardcore as it once did, that's kind of like where it originated, right? Where the safety of like, I am safe to be me, right? Mm. Like not like I'm yes. not physically threatened, right? That's the, the right. stomach, like I'm not physically threatened in any way, shape or form. And then the heart center is like, oh, but am I safe to be me and all that I am right. here in this moment? Like, are you a safe right. person? Can I show mm. up as myself? Am I okay? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Totally. Like, I notice, um, with both of those open centers, sometimes I, and with the, even with the emotional center too, um, and the throat center, I have so many open centers that like, you know, there is this fear of confrontation, like actually voicing what's true to me, which I find from my sacral response and my authority, like voicing what's true for me. Sometimes I don't want to, because I know I'm going to be getting a backlash of emotions and like, I'm going to be feeling all that stuff. So sometimes it feels just easier to not, uh, say my truth, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and I think that ties in very well to like, maybe I'm not worthy of saying my truth. Maybe mm-hmm. I'm not going to be safe. If I say my truth, you know, it like plays out in all these centers. 
markers where I'm really learning how to be wise um, and move forward despite those feelings that I've picked up from somewhere. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, mm -hmm. so fun. Do you have any other yeah. like questions or for thoughts as we kind of come to a conclusion? Um, no, I mean, I love the work that you're doing. I think just spreading awareness around human design and how it can benefit us, especially as women in this crumbling of the patriarchy is like, it can only armor us and empower us to move forward, um, in a, in a truer way and an, um, an uplifting way to bring others along with us. So thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Yes. Thank you for being here. This has been fun. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Thanks, Brooke. If you are loving these conversations and this work and would like to be a part of an upcoming workshop, these will be live and in person. So if you are in the Raleigh, North Carolina area or would like to travel to come see us, uh, there will be a number of different workshops scheduled in the upcoming months. And you can find out more information by heading to my website, www.brookbelden.com. And you can either join the newsletter just to stay informed or uh, details for all of the events will be coming out soon. The other place to find me is at Brooke Belden on Instagram.